All right, welcome to America This Week. I'm Matt Taibbi. And I'm Walter Kern. Walter, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, it's getting spring-like here in Montana, slightly. And uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm started sort of emerging into the new year, looking forward to what I know is going to be the craziest year we've had in a string of crazy years. Um, so I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm kind of prepping myself. I'm going to the gym. I'm eating right. Uh, <laughs> You're preparing for the apocalypse. <laughs> I just, I want to be of use to my family in the difficulties that I'm sure are going to <laughs> visit us all. They, sh- they should have that at everybody's local Y, like the apocalypse spinning class. Exactly. Know? It's a great motivator. Um, yeah. You know. You'll be running for your life. Yeah. And for some, and some, for some reason, I'm watching the rise of the Bitcoin price very carefully right now because hmm. I see Bitcoin as a proxy for anxiety in general. You know, I, I think it's oh. fi- I think it's finally settled in with the sort of normie uh, investing public that it it is digital gold. Uh, and in this period, what does anybody want but digital gold? And uh, the two things we like best: digital and gold. And uh, so as it soars to new heights and all this money starts flying into it, I, I get greatly fearful. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, well, you can, you can definitely feel the general anxiety levels inching up nicely yeah. Uh, yeah. all across the board. And uh, notably, there, that anxiety is connected to Many different things, not just one thing. Um, and we saw examples of that this week. Uh, I guess we should start with, it's not often that, that news begins in the press and, and, that, and that is the news story, that something came out in the news. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had a significant, a very significant development, I, I would say, uh, in the course of the last week. when. The New York Times, uh, in the persons of Adam Entis and Mitchell Schwartz, uh, published an article called The Spy War, How the CIA Secretly Helps Ukraine Fight Putin. This is the article that came out, and uh, it's an expose. Um, once upon a time, in the, in the New York Times, we, we came to expect every now and then there would be blockbuster uh, pieces of investigative journalism, and not so long ago, there were there were still things that were sort of gen- genuinely like that in the Times. I, I would even classify the the massive audit of Donald Trump's finances as being, um, you know, in that general genre. But this was a very different type of story that, right up in the lead, tells you that this is this is something entirely different um immediately tells you uh based on so, uh, 200 interviews with officials from three different countries from Europe, Ukraine and the United States that uh there were listening posts in the Ukrainian forest which uh, it starts out at a listening post in the Ukrainian forest which is part of a CIA supported network of spy bases constructed in the past years um, eight years. That includes 12 secret locations along the Russian border. And then it goes on to describe a 10-year history of communication 
um, uh, communication and cooperation uh, between the CIA and Ukraine, and it is absolutely packed full of stuff that the public under normal circumstances would never get a whiff of. Mm -hmm. And, well, there's a number of different angles to this. First of all, it exploded a whole bunch of myths and propaganda about how tight we were or not um, militarily and intelligence-wise with Ukraine at the start of the war. Uh, but it also, uh, it just kind of it disclosed things that we weren't expecting to hear. Walter, what was your initial reaction to this story? Well, I was dumbfounded. I, you know, my my mind spun wondering what the who the audience for this was, uh, what it was meant to do. We seem to be in a period in which the meta issue is continued funding for uh, for Ukraine, and so I, I I guess I saw it in that context as a statement of just how a sort of stunning statement of just how dug in we are with them for how long we have been and to what an elaborate level we are. And I supposed that the point was to say, this is your side. Uh, this is our side. We made a compact a long time ago. Here's how knit together this effort is. You're going to pull the plug on this? Really? I mean, something like that. Yeah, so just to make clear, the, the, the backdrop here, as you point out, is there is still a pending vote on funding for uh, the continuation of the war in, uh, in Ukraine on the part, you know, from the American side. Now, we just haven't had a situation like this where Congress has actually threatened to pull the plug on uh, a military conflict that the national security establishment wants. And right now, we're at a point where voters are telling specifically the House Republican caucus that they do not want um, a $95 billion military aid package, 61 billion of which is meant for Ukraine, uh, that they don't want a yes vote on this. It's been delayed multiple times. Supposedly, there's a deadline on it, you know, maybe even by the time this this comes out uh, on on Friday, uh, that question will be resolved. But yes, that that vote hanging in the balance is in the background uh, of this story. But that could mean a number of things. Is this meant? Is this article meant to uh, persuade people that we must continue this incredibly tight relationship? Because, like, what kinds of things are being disclosed in this piece? And I just want to give one example. This is this is a the kind of thing that got uh, described over and over again. Uh, so they have this incredibly tight relationship uh, that goes back to, you know, right after the Maidan coup. Essentially, they even talk about the the new Ukrainian intelligence chief sort of cold calling the, the CIA and MI6 in the middle of uh, the, the Maidan revolution and saying like, hey, we need help. Kind of an like a ridiculously unbelievable uh, scenario, but whatever. That's where, they're, that's where they're placing the chronological beginning of this relationship. And then they kind of say repeatedly that the Americans set down these rules 
um, of, of the relationship, whereby anything that has any possibility of having a lethal outcome needs to be run through Washington first. And they keep describing the Ukrainians as just freelancing, these bloodthirsty savages, you know, these Slavs. And here's an example. As the partnership deepened after 2016, the Ukrainians became impatient with what they considered Washington's undue caution and began staging assassinations and other lethal operations, which violated the terms the White House thought Ukrainians had agreed to. And then, you know, they go on later to, uh, to, to find out that they were still doing it over and over again in defiance uh, of what Russia wanted, what, what America and particularly the Obama administration supposedly wanted. Like, we were infuriated when we found out that troops that had been trained by the CIA were involved in these operations. Like, oh, you know, we're shocked, shocked. But I read that, Walter, you know, and I called a couple of people uh, who have some experience with these things, people on both the left and the right. right. And, you know, they, they suggested, look, this is, this is your classic pre-bunking yes. you know, yeah. warning where when, if this whole thing goes wrong, if, 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 if this relationship is about to be ended uh, this week and the, and the faucet gets shut off, there are going to be a lot of leaks coming out, and we're going to have stories too, right? So the, we are already not going to inoculate ourselves against charges that we oversaw campaigns of assassinations, and they, you know, they named people who were assassinated and how we had pre-knowledge of these things. Um, so I don't know. Do you, how much credence do you give that? Right. Uh, so, so, so in that framework, the story is, hey, look, the dog got off the leash and bit all these people and uh, we did our best um, and uh, don't blame us. Uh, also, when it comes out, perhaps, like you said, uh, that, um, you know, we did all this dirty stuff and hit it. Well, uh, we were doing our best and it's old news anyway, because, hey, Remember that time story? Uh, we didn't. I mean, it, it reminds you a little bit of uh, COVID, um, COVID pre-bunking, you know, right. where they, they, they slowly let us know that maybe this vaccine didn't work all that well or this and that, you know. Um, so it, it, it could be ass covering. It's probably a few things at once. I mean, what it does sound like is the truth. In the sense that, um, you know, whether or not we tried to restrain them and they went rogue, uh, it, it, it gives a, enough detail about these bases that you're pretty sure they exist. I mean, they visit them. Uh, this is done with – the thing to know about this article is it was obviously done with complete cooperation. I mean, uh, these guys were treated to top secret tours of, uh, uh, right. of, of these bases. And, and, and here is a moment where I think we maybe need to address the question of who wrote this article. Now, I don't know Adam Entis, um, but let's just say he is a recurring character in a lot of the big intelligence-based stories dating back uh, nearly a decade now, right? A lot of which haven't been true, frankly. Well, right, proved, so haven't proved out or proved to be great exaggeration. 
so the 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 infamous story where the Washington Post um, gets the leak about the FISA warrant on uh, former Trump aide Carter Page, uh, and you know they have the dramatic headline and conclusion that this means there must be probable cause that former Trump aide is an agent of a foreign power, right? Um, Adam was on that story. Uh, he, he's on a he's on a long list of them. I, I think you 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 found a, a tweet uh, yeah. that that chronicled a whole bunch of them. But th there was one that I remembered specifically um, that goes back even you know to the pre RussiaGate period. And uh, this is a fascinating story. Um, U.S. spy net on Israel snares Congress. NSA's targeting of Israeli sold, uh, leaders swept up in the content of private conversations with U.S. lawmakers by Adam Entis and Danny Yadrin. This is when he was at the Wall Street Journal. Um, and what the story basically says, uh, ultimately, is that um, it describes how the Obama White House sort of inadvertently listened to critics of the of Obama's Iran deal in the U.S. Congress who happened to be talking to Jewish leaders in Israel at the time. So it's it's the it's like one of the uh, early stories about the misuse of FISA, right? Uh, Got to give credit to Lee Smith, uh, the the author of, I think it's what's called the, the, the plot against, against the, president. the president. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So he, he's one of, he, he noted the presence of this particular reporter on a lot of these stories. And it, you, you can go a little bit crazy trying to play the game of who, which reporter is which official's favorite outlet. And it's right. not always productive to do that. But let's just say that the one thing you can say is that this is not the kind of story where things are collected in defiance of the, the national security establishment, right? It's not coming from low-level leakers who are going around their bosses to give, to give these reporters um, you know, certain details. It's not Cy Hirsch's family's jewel story uh, where, where the sources are going to be in trouble if they get outed, right? Uh, this is one where he, where the reporters get to take a tour of all these places, and it's got 200 different interviews, and they're on the record quotes from the senior Ukrainian intelligence officials, and so it's kind of like what you would call an approved history. But why, right? It's just so odd. You know, the, 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 these are the same people who've been telling us we, well, we can't disclose any, we can't disclose that name you already know. That that, that would be sources and methods, you know, uh, and then they're just babbling all kinds of crazy secrets uh, in the middle of this amazing article. Well, let's just throw it open to brainstorming for a second. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll do the sort of edge case speculations. Maybe it's not completely true. Maybe they're exaggerating CIA capabilities. Uh, maybe this is a story meant to scare the Russians into thinking, you know, we can hear everything you're doing. We're, we're right on you. Um, right. Uh, right. It, it feels like it's some kind of confession, but really it's aggressive in some. Um, 
it does make them look pretty competent, which they often don't in some ways, you know, in a, in a very sneaky way. Uh, they really got in there, you know, they're, uh, okay, then it could also be the kind of pre-bunking we just discussed in which people afraid of further um, disclosure go first and sort of ha disclose their way rather than wait for somebody else to do it in another perhaps more damaging way. Or it could be that, and I saw this, I, I, I saw this talked about somewhere, I'm not sure where, an attempt to scare these House Republicans into going, wow, we're messing with something beyond our ken here. Uh, uh, this, is, this isn't the kind of thing you withhold funding for easily. Uh, um, it's sort of like revealing. It reminded the, the the whole setup that we created in Viet, uh, in Ukraine reminded me of what we did in Vietnam before the war proper. You know the way we, you know, in the sort of Graham Green quiet American days before the thing really broke out, we sent you know massive troops. Uh, we had these CIA operations all across Southeast advisors, Asia. yeah, advisors and so on. And so it gave me a Vietnam feel. I got to say, as just as a, an audience member, I got a chill went up my spine and I went like, wow, they have been preparing for something bigger for longer than I, than I knew. Um, and it, 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 like I say, it was a flashback to Vietnam. And, the, you know, I, I can imagine this as a warning to American politicians, don't get in the way of this thing. That also functions as a pre-bunking in case things go south. But the, the problem in analyzing it is that we lack one piece of crucial information, which is what is the estimate on the part of the American military complex as to the likelihood of succeeding in this war? You know, if they oh, think- God. You know, if they think they're about to lose, then you see it one way. If you if 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 they actually have something up their sleeve and are just needing that extra, you know, hundred bill ninety billion to pull off the the big trick by which they get rid of Putin and you know suddenly recover all sorts of lost ground, well, then that's another thing. Um, but without knowing, but without knowing what they forecast, it's hard for me to interpret this. Well, that's why I think they were so upset when the so-called Pentagon leaker, Jack Deshera, you know, puts out these documents that show the military, you know, their own assessment saying this thing is going to be a stalemate that's going to drag on well beyond 2023. And uh, if, if that's what their internal assessment is, and that was probably assuming continued funding. So in right? some way, in some way, is this is this an attempt to immunize against the Pentagon Papers Ukraine edition? That mean that it could be that something like that, right? Um, I mean, I, I think it functions on multiple levels. I mean, there's even stuff in there about, uh, well, we had to keep, we, we had to put up with all the unsanctioned assassinations and lethal operations and bombings and all this other stuff uh, because we were getting good intel on Russiagate, right, basically. Right, like, right. what? 
Right. Well, maybe, <laughs> you know? maybe, maybe it's a blame game too, Matt. Or you know, things don't look good in Ukraine. Seventy percent chance this is going to be a blowout. Let's blame them now, oh, so that we start so, sure. so that we start the narrative of blame early. Yeah, if only if only you listen to us, right? Right. <laughs> I mean, in in a weird way, it's it's a little bit uh, the reverse of the argument that we heard at the beginning of the invasion. Um, it, there's there's a little bit of an implication there that. Well, Barack Obama was deeply worried about over-provoking the Russians, right? They they were infuriated when there were hits done against Russian separatists or when they crossed into Russian territory or when they mined airstrips or railroads or whatever it was uh, because they didn't want to, you know, provoke a response uh, from Russia. Well, you know, what are they going to do now? Are they going to go back and say... If they'd listened to us, maybe there wouldn't have been an invasion in 2022, which is kind of exactly the opposite of what we were told uh, in 2022. I mean, I, I don't know. I, but but I, what I do think um, is that, you know, th- this kind of story, what's so fascinating about it is that it, it, it's meant for every audience but the general public. It had to be right? approved from the very top, right? I mean, right. you don't you don't get to take reporters on tours of secret intelligence bases in the forests without the very top, you know, Jake Sullivan, Joe Biden, etc. Victoria Newland, yeah, right, go ahead, exactly, yeah. Now there is one overweening uh, concern, I would imagine, for all these people, uh, which is the possible victory of Donald Trump, right? I mean, it, it, we've gotten so um, scared uh, to, to forecast things, but uh, because, you know, it's the end of democracy and all that. But there's got to be a faction that's looking forward to a possible Trump presidency. Um, and in that presidency, because because all this was going on while Trump was president, remember? And have you ever heard him breathe a word about it? Well, not all of it. So that's one of the fascinating parts about this story is that most of the action in this story takes place during the Obama administration. But uh, but the, but they're still there because we just toured them. So were they all just sort of dry docked while Trump? Uh, you know, did they cover it up? Uh, did Trump know about this? I mean. Well, no, I'm, I'm sure Trump knew about all of the, you know, the, the nature of the relationship. And, he, and, and actually, the piece talks about um, how, uh, you know, Trump put Russia hawks in key positions, including Mike Pompeo, a CIA right. director, and Bolton as national security advisor. And that allowed this whole thing to keep rolling without much, you know, interference. And, you know, draw what conclusions you, you, you may from that. but. There's not a whole lot of inside the White House uh, stuff going on in this story, whereas there's a, an awful lot of stuff about how, you know, poor John Biden had to talk, uh, you know, vacillating Barack Obama off the ledge uh, and tell him that, you know, we, we, hey, we had, yes, they broke the rules, but we got to stick with this thing because it's, you know, it's bearing fruit, blah, blah, blah. There, there are a lot of those scenes, but they're all in the past. So, 
again, without getting into the exercise of speculating who the main sources are, uh, it's notable that mo most, most of your richly detailed stuff comes from a certain time period back then and then now, right? Right. And most of the richly detailed stuff paints the Obama administration as concerned, but concerned about the infractions and, and, and the sort of rogue uh, nature of Ukraine's uh, behavior, but subordinating that to general uh, a general uh, concern over Putin and Russia. Um, so it it does look a little bit like a uh, PR job for the Obama administration. Oh, and 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 why should it need one now uh, at this point? Because be, one one can speculate about that, right? Um, I mean, there, there's even stuff about how Joe Biden himself back in the Obama days what, had to call up, I think it was Petro Poroshenko, the president at the time, and say like, "Hey, this bridge operation you guys did." It's making this whole thing a hard sell for me back here. You know, you guys got to cut it out, right? So there, so even Biden is presented as part of this whole, um, you know, let's 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 be aggressive but cautious kind of thing, right? Uh, but um, but yes, why would they why would they need a cover story because of the possibility that you know the, 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 they're going to lose and be humiliated. They're going to lose and be humiliated, and there's going to be finger pointing, and they're going to be certain people who know things who are going to be un uncooperative press wise. Now, why did why did that matter? Because there was a very a series of statements made by the head of Ukraine's defense intelligence, um, uh, Kirill Budanov, uh, who just came out and just sort of crapped on a whole series of stories that we were trying to make a big deal out of uh there was a tale about how russia got was about to get a whole bunch of long range missiles from iran and budana's like yeah no that's they're not really grounded in reality that story or you know they didn't get the missiles um and uh god i forget what the other what the other story was um but uh um, could, could the current Ukrainian? Oh, Navalny. I'm sorry. Yes, the whole Navalny thing. Right. Yeah, because you know, the, when Navalny died on the 16th, uh, everybody went nuts. We we imposed sanctions, 500 new sanctions. Joe Biden, Putin is clearly responsible. Now, I think when when you have a political prisoner and he dies in prison, I I think it's reasonable to say that the the government's responsible, uh, but probably right. Um, but still, there were lots of people who went further than that and said, it's murder, blah, blah, blah. Budanov comes out and says, yeah, I hate to, like, break the bad news. He even put it that way. Uh, dis I hate to disappoint some people, but he died of a blood clot. He died of nat natural causes. So could uh, there be some three-way three -way conflict going on, some triangular tension between the Ukrainian intelligence, military establishment, the United States, and Russia. In other words, is this positioning around some possible future negotiation or something? Uh, I can't imagine Ukraine relished being portrayed as a mad dog that you know couldn't discipline itself and that 
Oh, maybe I'd be furious if I was and, them. And brought on, possibly brought on an invasion through their, you know, uh, inability to take orders. Um, I mean, think think of it from Ukraine's perspective. Once they lost their nuclear weapons, they gave them up, what, in 1994, um, after the, the Soviet Union broke up. Um, a controversial controversial decision even back then but mm -hmm. at the time i think we were trying to s stay uh on the right side of boris yeltsin and russia more than we were worried about you know Leonid Kuchman, ukraine or whatever whoever it was and um but ukraine is essentially defenseless against russia uh despite the long-standing ties and here we come in and you know, we're encouraging them to build bases. We release videos of American diplomats going to visit, uh, you know, Ukrainian military bases and, 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 and conduct inspections of shooting exercises and things like that with American soldiers advising. You know, we release this, uh, this kind of stuff. The Russians are going to see this. It puts, it puts Ukraine in a, in a very tough position. I mean, maybe they wanted to be there, right? Because uh, there was already, there were already hostilities in, in Donbass that were, right. you know, beyond the pale, right? But if we were, we were making representations to them about how we would be, be there for them always, and, you know, we, we nudged them into this place, and now they're being, you know, they're in full-fledged war with Russia, and we back out because, you know, what? democracy um it, it, ukraine's gonna be i mean i i would imagine i would be furious if i if i were a ukrainian official in that scenario would you not be oh absolutely but maybe they foresee the fall of zelensky and his crew you know maybe maybe they're setting up for a new ukrainian leader in a way um mm. you know uh you hear all the time just as we heard, you know, Putin was about to die or be deposed or run out of town or whatever. 